0: The table is where life happens. It's where imagination runs wild. Where lessons are learned. And wonders are built. The table is where time can stop. Where wounds. To nourish our bodies, to enrich our souls. The table is where we give thanks and where we remember what great gifts. Good morning, church. Man, I'm so glad you guys are here today. What a joy it is to worship Jesus Christ with you guys, knowing that he has done so much for us. He truly makes all things new in our life, and we come here today to celebrate our risen Savior together because we know that he sits on that throne in heaven. Amen? Amen. And we know that he gives us the peace and joy in our life that nothing else could possibly give us. We live out his story in gratefulness and gratitude for what he's done for us in our life. And thanks for coming today to celebrate that very thing. I want to say welcome to our guests that are here today. Thanks for joining us, being a part of our time here at Crosspoint. And of course, if you're looking for a church home, man, we'd love for you to think about joining us right here at Cross Point to help tell that story of hope that is Jesus Christ using your gift sets in great ways to help the world know that he can change all things in every life. We come together today to celebrate that very thing. Well, you probably noticed something new on the stage this morning. Uh, It's kind of hard to not notice the table. And we're starting a brand new series today called Making Space. We'll be in this for uh, several weeks as we dig into God's Word to discover how we're called to make space for all kinds of people in our life. That's what Jesus calls us to do. And so we're going to dig into scripture over these next few weeks. I hope that you won't miss one of the sessions. You'll be here as we dig into the word of God to better discover how we're called to imitate Jesus Christ and live out the story that he's called us to live right here on this earth. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 3 this morning. I hope you've got your Bibles. We'll be in there in just a few moments. Uh, We'll also make our way to Ephesians chapter 2. So please get your Bibles open as we dig into the Word of God. There are going to be some things you'll want to annotate, underline, circle for sure as we talk about what Paul has to say about this very idea. The truth is, you and I have experienced walls in our life, both metaphoric and realistically. Realistically. I remember when I went to basic training with the Air Force in 1989, we had one day that was the obstacle course. We had to jump in and overcome lots of things on this obstacle course. And of course, there were lots of walls in the way that we had to scale. This particular one was difficult, I remember, uh, because it leans. And so gravity really works against you if you don't have a lot of upper body strength. And I remember seeing uh, others in front of me trying to work their way through the holes Instead of going over the, the top, and of course, if you got through the hole, uh, the drill instructor would simply bring you back to the start, and you'd have to make your way over. Some folks would simply just run around the wall. They wouldn't even go through the thing or over it, and, and the drill instructor would bring them back. They'd have to go over that wall. But you've had those experiences in your life, no doubt. Mostly, it's the, the, the invisible walls that you and I have to overcome in life. We know that the world really creates and helps create those walls that we find exist around us. Sometimes it's from our own biases, the way that we grew up. We don't sometimes even know better that we've created some of those walls or they've been created for us. If you've experienced a divorce or been part of that process, you know how those walls are created. People are blaming one another. Sometimes the kids take take sides. Sometimes you lose friends in the process and other family members that you thought were really close because barriers have been erected, walls have come up, and you're trying to understand best how to navigate those things in your life. Maybe there are prejudices that you have experienced or offered to someone else. Maybe you grew up in the type of environment or you learned in a different way, and so you were quite cautious of people that had a different skin color than you, that grew up in a different part of the world or the nation than you. People who rooted for a different team maybe than you did. Those walls are erected, and we have to understand better how to navigate some of that stuff that the world places in front of us. And what we understand is when we look at the life of Jesus Christ— when we lean into that gospel message, when we understand better what he truly is doing in the world in which he lived, we understand that Jesus Christ came to break down and tear down all of those walls. He came to remove the barriers that we have decided to erect. Jesus in his life, time and time again, shows us in his ministry exactly how he does that. And I don't think we can truly appreciate really all the things that Jesus truly did in the culture in which he lived because we don't understand that time period in Israel, a theocracy, not a democracy. But Jesus does some incredible work to tear down barriers and walls in his ministry. You take the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Now, first of all, Jesus is talking to a woman in public. A Jewish man would never speak to a woman in a public setting. Here we are at the the city well where everyone comes to get water. It's midday. There's no hiding. He's simply talking to a woman. Not only that, she's a Samaritan, and Jews and Samaritans had a beef with one another. There was tension there in the culture. Jesus tearing down walls, that society, theology and other ideas had created. Jesus even reached out and physically touched people that he wasn't allowed to as a Jewish man. We see that in Mark chapter 1, time and time again, but a great example of a a leper coming up and asking to be healed of Jesus. And Jesus reaches through the barrier and physically touches him to heal him. Now, a Jewish man in that moment would have been unclean for several days. He would have had to go through a great process to cleanse himself, even to go to worship again. And yet Jesus reaches through the wall and the barrier to touch someone because he has love and compassion. And we look at his life and we see how we're called to live. Does it make it easy or comfortable for us? But we better get a hand around exactly how we're called to live in Jesus Christ. He breaks down the walls. Jesus truly makes space at the table for everyone. We look at Paul's writing as well as he, as he was Saul at one time, this Jewish man that became a Christian, and now his name is Paul. And we have some 13 of the letters that he wrote to churches. And because of that, not only does he write to that first century church, but he writes to us as well today. And we dig into those letters to better understand what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And as we read those letters and understand better about inclusion, uh, about uh, a better idea about letting people come to the table, and Paul treats it as if it's the norm to have diversity in the first century church, to be around other people who may not look and act like us, who come from different places than us, who love different things than we do we end up realizing that Jesus has called everyone to the table. He's making space for everyone at the table. And the world, the culture that Jesus and Paul grew up in as Jewish men, isolated the world from God's table. They had become prideful and arrogant in the moment, and they kept people away, excluded people when they should have been the light of the world. But because Jesus has come because of his work on the cross, those barriers and walls church have been torn down. And now we are one in Christ Jesus. Paul reminds us of that as he writes a church as he writes a letter rather to the churches in the Galatia area. They would have been house churches composed of Jews and Gentiles. I think most everyone in here this morning is probably a Gentile. And so this really speaks to us as people who were at one time not allowed at the table. And now because of Jesus' work, we are allowed. At the table. Paul writes to those house churches. That letter would have circulated, and now it's circulated to us today. And Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26 beginning For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Church, did you hear that? We are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you've got your own Bible with you this morning, as a Christian, you should be marking that particular text up, especially verse 28. Underline that, circle it, draw arrows to it, because it is transformative. It's a reminder that we've all been invited to the table. There are no walls or barriers anymore for how we're called to live in Christ Jesus. Indeed, Jesus says himself, That it doesn't matter what your gender is, your socioeconomic situation, what your ethnicity is, or your country of origin. Everyone is welcome to the story of God. What a joy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because Jesus came to level the playing field for all of us. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. And we all get to approach. And if you and I say that Jesus Christ is Lord of our life, then we too have to acknowledge and lean into the story that Jesus Christ tells in his own life and ministry. If he truly is Lord of our life, then we are called to imitate him in every possible way. Jesus came to make room for everyone at the table. He came to make space for everyone at the table. But you and I know that the world loves to label, don't they? The world loves to tell who can and cannot do something. And so some of us live with labels of the political affiliation that we have at this moment. Republican, Democrat, some other party. There are lots of ads going on TV right now. There's one particular candidate who says, we hope to get to a moment where it's no longer Republicans or Democrats, but that we are Texans, we are Americans, we are human And each and every one of us should realize that we are all in this thing together through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we are labeled not only politically, but maybe by the the college team that we cheer for. Maybe it's the type of work that you do, the career that you've chosen. Maybe it's the educational level or lack of that you have. We all wear labels. Maybe it's your gender. Whatever it might be, we wear the labels at times. Maybe it's your ethnicity or skin color. And the church has done a fair job at reminding the world that we're all invited to the table. But there have been moments when we have not been the voice that we need to be as a unified church. Where we remind the world around us that the story is for everyone, not just for a select few. In that first century people came together that normally would not interact one with another. And we are the same today. Without Jesus Christ, without the church in place, many of us would not even be with each other, hang out together, live life together. But because of Jesus Christ, we're unified as a people because we are the family of Jesus Christ. We fall under his lordship, and that is what unifies and brings us together. And that first century was not any different than the century we live in right now today. Racism was rampant with Paul in the, in the world that he lived in. Gender inequality, absolute. Women almost had no voice in Paul's culture. Men held all the power. Economic classes were absolutely divided, very, very different. In Rome alone, on one given day, any given day of the year, there were some 250,000 slaves in Rome that had no voice, no vote, no power. And Paul reminds us in our text that we're going to look at today in Ephesians chapter 2, that no matter how unique we believe that we are, no matter what we believe that we've earned in life, no matter where we think we come from, no matter how special we believe ourselves to be, that we are all one in Jesus Christ. All of us are part of the same family together. I mean, Jesus came to make room for everyone at the table, but you and I know that as human beings, we love to be in a a homogenous group. We love to hang out with people that look like us, talk like us, root for the same team as us, are like us. That's the most comfortable moment. But churches, people who follow Jesus Christ, that's not the setup for the church. Jesus says there's room for everyone at the table, but the Jewish population in Paul's day felt that they were special. Now understand that they had been part of this Ongoing story of God for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They only knew what they had been taught, what had been lived out, what had been passed on to them. They were in. They were already at the table. All the way to Genesis chapter 12, we look at the story of Abraham and as it begins to unfold... And the people who belonged to God, the Israelites, felt like they were the in crowd. Everyone else was outside. They were the only ones at the table. Ever since Abraham, they had felt this, this sense of pride and arrogance. God has chosen us, no one else. It's just us at the table. But when we read Paul's writing, what we understand, what Jesus did, is we're called to love everyone right where they are. They don't have to be on the in crowd. They don't have to look a certain way. Jesus lets everyone come to the table, especially those who feel excluded. And the Gentiles in Paul's day felt excluded. They had lived the kind of life where they could watch and see the table from a distance, but they were never invited to come and sit down at the table until Jesus Christ came and did his incredible work for us on the cross. Gentiles felt ostracized and excluded. And then a story unfolds in Acts chapter 10 that's absolutely incredible. Peter is in Jerusalem leading the church along with the other apostles and disciples, and there's a moment where he has a vision from the Holy Spirit where God reveals to him, listen, it's not just Jews who are invited to the table, but everyone is invited to the table. No matter what you look like, where you've been, what your skin color is, wh- where you hail from, what language you speak, everyone is invited to the table. And Peter says, God, I- I've never done anything unholy in my life. Don't ask me to do this. And the Spirit says, don't call holy unholy what I've made holy. At the same time, in Caesarea, there is a Roman officer Who is a Gentile? But he's a God-fearing Gentile. He worships the same God that Peter does. He gives alms to the poor. He serves other people. He prays to Yahweh. And in the moment, the Holy Spirit speaks to him as well, and he says, I want you to send messengers to find a guy by the name of Peter in Jerusalem and bring him back so that you guys can interact. I'm paraphrasing a little. And so sure enough... Cornelius sends messengers to find Peter. Peter comes back with the messengers, and they begin to talk about the gospel message. Peter enters the house of a Gentile, which a Jewish man would never do because he would be unclean in that moment. But Peter speaks with Cornelius, realizes that he too has been included in the gospel plan. He sees that Cornelius and his household has already been blessed with the Holy Spirit, and Peter calls for Cornelius and his household to be baptized. And in verse 34 and 35, Peter says, I see now that with God there is no favoritism. Everybody can come to the table. Everybody has space at the table. It's important that Peter sees this. The story continues to unfold as he goes back home and he reveals what the story is until Acts chapter 15, there's a huge meeting of all the church leadership. They come together and they begin to talk about this idea that Gentiles don't have to become Jews in order to become Christians. They simply need to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Understand this Jewish population that had become followers of Christ, they've had these rules and regulations for a long, long time. And it's difficult to let go of things when it's uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, through the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer, all of the leaders in the church say it's true that God doesn't show favoritism. Everybody is welcome to the table. And so as we read that story, we begin to see that we're called like Paul to love those around us no matter where they come from. And so Paul writes this letter to the church in Ephesus And in doing so, he writes that same letter to us today. An admonition to live out the call of Jesus Christ, to imitate him in every possible way. It's this idea that we're called, as Dave said, just to follow him. Just to get in line behind Jesus and imitate him as best you possibly can. Not to create your own list of rules and regulations about who can be a part of the table. But to know that everyone is invited to the table, that we share with God in that vision of being inclusive rather than exclusive in our language. You see, the Jews had been very proud and they had excluded, but now Jesus says both Gentiles and Jews are part of the story. They always have been, but the Jews had made it all about themselves. Now, if you're a parent, you're going to follow this story very easily. I've got two boys. They're 24 and 22, young men. Good-looking guys. Take after their mother, thankfully. <laughs> but both these guys, you know, they, they were born in the same town. Uh, they ate the same food from our table. They grew up with the same type of discipline, going to the same kids' ministry and youth group. They drove the same truck to high school. They went to the same high school together. They listened to the same music. Everything the same, but both boys are very different. The oldest son is more introspective, creative, quiet. He'd be happy just reading a book. The younger son kicked the door and let the party begin, that kind of guy. (laughs) Very different personalities, but I love them the same. And it was a moment when I became a parent that I gained a little understanding of what God must feel like for us. We're all different in some way, unique in some way, but God loves us the same. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And so when I braced the idea of making space at the table, it moves me from hostility to peace. From the understanding that in Christ Jesus, I have more joy and peace than anything in the world could ever offer me. And Paul says to that church in Ephesus and says to us today, beginning in verse 13, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross. He broke down the wall of hostility that separate us. He did this by ending, ending, ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. And together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Amen, church. Because of what Jesus Christ did for us, now our hostility between one another is also gone, and peace reigns supreme. Church, when we make a, a decision to be united In the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we're called to live differently. And you and I don't have the right to make a list of our own rules and regulations about who gets to come to the table. That falls on God himself. Our purpose as God's people is to unite and invite. To, to speak a language of inclusion, to put a uh, an arm around those that might be different from us and journey with them along the way. It's a moment for us to uplift those around us and unite. Paul goes on to say in verse 17, he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done. We all have access to the story of God. We're all invited to the table. Amen. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what you look like. We're all get to be part of the story. Even though each and every one of us is quite unique. When I went to basic training in 1989, there were 50 guys that piled into one room together, and we were from all over the place, including Puerto Rico. I wasn't. Somebody else was. <laughs> but from the north, from the south, from east, west, all different walks of life, some folks had tattoos, others did not. Others spoke differently than others. My very good friend Brian Klute from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, He was in charge of cleaning the water fountain. He told me the first day he did that, he said, I'm going to go clean the bubbler. I said, the bubbler? What's the bubbler? He says, it's this thing here. Oh, the water fountain? We use different language depending on what part of the country you're from. We're all unique and different. But I'll promise you this. That first week, it was trouble. It was difficult. We kept an eye on some folks because we weren't quite sure about them. But at the end of our training, we were a band of brothers. We were in this thing together. When someone broke down, when someone cried, when someone doesn't have a good day, we held them up. We journeyed together, and by the end of our time together, we were marching in step, taking up for one another. Church, that's what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to be one with another, helping one another, not tearing down, but lifting up. You see, when we make a decision to live apart from the story that God's planted in our own life, the world looks at that and is not convinced. But when we make a decision to be united and love on one another, the church cannot help but notice that we are looking more and more like Christ every day. When we choose not to fall in line with the story of God, the only thing the world offers is loneliness Confusion, frustration, and unrest. But in the arms of God, we have everything that we ever wanted or hoped for. Making space at the table removes us from hostility and gives us peace. But making space at the table also moves us from being strangers to being family together. And I know that there are members of your family that you'd rather not talk to again. I understand that. Sometimes in church it's like that too. Nonetheless, we walk together, we journey together, we're united together in Christ. We are part of God's family. Paul goes on to say in verse 19, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family we get to be members of God's family. Jesus Christ is our brother. And in doing so, we inherit everything that Jesus Christ gets as well. And I don't know if you know this, but guess what? God owns everything. (laughs) And that means we get a part of that too. We're part of the family. Has anyone ever reached out to you before? You need a, a tool to borrow, a lawnmower to borrow. You need some help with a project. And someone hears about it, and they come over to help out. And you say, no, no, you don't need to do that. And they answer, no, 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 that's, that's what being part of a family is about. We help each other along the way. We're together in this. And it doesn't matter in the church if you are rich or poor, black, white, Hispanic. It doesn't matter. We're all family together. We help each other along the Together, So you may be asking, well, what is it you want me to do? In this moment, how do we become more like a family? And I would say it's that we get involved in one another's lives intentionally. With people that that initially you may be uncomfortable with. You're not sure what they're like, what's going on in their culture, what type of food they eat. I can't really understand them. It doesn't matter. We're called to get involved in other people's lives. I don't know how many of you saw the 1996 movie, A Time to Kill, with Matthew McConaughey and Samuel L. Jackson. It was in the Deep South. Matthew is a white lawyer in the Deep South. Samuel L. shoots some men who do some harm to his daughter, and now he's in jail, and they're trying to work out all the particulars about the, the, the legal system and how this is all going to shake out. They begin talking back and forth in their story and the movie progresses on. Towards the end of the movie, Samuel gets really, really upset but realistic with Matthew and he says, listen, you and I are not friends. We are never going to hang out together. You're never going to come to my part of town. You're never going to come to my house. Our daughters are never going to play together. You live in a different world. Well, by the end of the movie, Samuel is out. Sorry if you haven't seen the movie yet. Samuel is out. I'll save you two hours. There's a big feast at his house. All his family and friends are over. They've got their little girl. It's celebration time. And Matthew pulls up in his car with his wife and his little girl. Matthew's wife has a bowl of food to add to the food that's already present. They begin talking, and Samuel and Matthew walk up with their little girls. The little girls go off to play together, and Samuel and Matthew shake hands, and the movie ends. It's a reminder, church, that's what we're supposed to look like as people of God, that we journey with one another in the difficult times, in the times that are uncomfortable, in the times that seem like they're very tense, that we're together in this. Why? Because the blood of Christ commands it calls us to that kind of living. And so over the next several weeks, I want you as a church to do something. I want you to make a concerted effort to reach out to people that you may never talk to. Maybe they're in your neighborhood or at your workplace, maybe even right here at Crosspoint. Have them over for dinner, go out for coffee, go bowling together. I, roll the, the, the youth minister's yard together. I don't know what you're going to do with a toilet paper. Anything. Go do something together. Sorry, Jason. (laughs) Get out of your shell. Get to know some people because in God's family, we're no longer strangers. We are family. And making space at the table moves us from falling apart to being really united together under one idea that Jesus Christ is Lord. Paul goes on to say in verse 20, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of his, this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. We don't have all the answers, but Jesus Christ does. And so we lean into his lordship for our lives. And church, when we make a decision not to live like that, the world looks at us and we lose our credibility as people of God. When we make a decision to say, you know what, even in the tough moments, even when it's difficult, I'm going to be part of this family because I want the world to look at us and realize that we are called to be lights on a hill. We're called to be different than the world around us. What if you and I made a decision today just to try it for the next seven days? What if you and I made a decision that with everyone that we came in contact with, we would expect the best instead of looking for the worst? What if we as people of God leaned into that very idea that whoever I come in contact with, I'm going to expect the best rather than looking for the worst. That's a challenge for you and I this week. See how it plays out. See what goes on. Because church, when, when, when we are polarized and we become paralyzed and we lose our voice in the world in which we live, if we look just like the world, then why would the world ever want to get to know Jesus Christ? And in our own lives as examples with the strength of the Holy Spirit in our life, we've got to shine for the world to see differently. We're called to take the focus off of ourselves, not accept the script of the world that says, I am really more important than you. My way is more important than your way. The way I think is the most important thing in the room. That's what the world wants us to believe and church, frankly, some of us are more concerned about our likes on social media than we are about liking our neighbor. Some of us are more in love with our pets than we are our neighbor. And we need to start looking more like Jesus. When well, we realize under the lordship of Jesus Christ, we're called to live united. To realize that there's space for everyone at the table. And there is a fear of stepping out of your comfort zone. I understand. But you and I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can and will do that. We will lean into other people that we may not talk to on a regular basis. Because we're loving and believing the story of Jesus Christ. Who came to break down the barriers, to tear down the walls. Because the truth is, this table, church doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. Let's not make our own list of the can and can't do's to get to the table. In our own life, in our struggle, in our story, we're called to look like Jesus more and more every single day realizing this table belongs to him, not me. It's a call to really gather together under the lordship of Jesus Christ To lean into his story and say, I want to be more like that. How can I be more compassionate and loving, full of grace and mercy, expecting the best, not looking for the worst? I want to be that guy. I want to be that girl. How can I be more like Jesus Christ in my life? And as we we call a close to the end of our time today, we're reminded what Paul says. That there is no difference at God's table. We are all the same, we are all loved, and we all need forgiveness. And so as we march forward out of this place, the challenge has been laid to you by Paul and to me, that we would embrace the life God's called us to live in His Son, Jesus Christ, making space for everyone in our life. As we sing this next song, our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room, and maybe there's something going on in your life that you're having difficulty with, moving past, getting your hands around let, let those shepherds pray for you and over you. Go find one of them as we sing this song and let them pray with you. It's so important that you get the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of prayer going in your life to truly transform and make things different for you. Allow Jesus to affect you in such a way that you live differently each and every day. Let's stand and praise his name together.